You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. You sucking ass on the trail. Why you need to bail? You fed as a whale, brah. Why you need a new bike as well? We take you to market to sell, brah. Now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she getting rough, you thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike. Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side. Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better. Maybe then you make it better instead of looking like a lame ass. And if you get confused, you can ask. J R A. Get hip to the name. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Tonight's episode is brought to you by creating an Instagram account for your dog. So go to Instagram and follow Handsome underscore marley because he's cute as fuck there you have it so that's what tonight's show is brought to you by probably the the most uh first world privileged thing we've ever had the show brought to you by in our entire five at this point five year existence Uh, i just also bought a pair of ugg boots and i am planning on getting a pumpkin spice latte after my ride tomorrow do your boots have fur on them? They will. The whole club was looking at her. There are no clubs in Salida. Uh, so let's play. How? Who's oldest? I am. All right, we're gonna go youngest to oldest <laughs> and catch up on what's happened since we talked last. Uh, I'm gonna go quickly. Shouldn't we I'm go gonna... oldest to youngest in case somebody dies? <laughs> <laughs> If they die, their story probably wasn't that good because they were close Fuck to dying. <laughs> I do regularly. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Um, so I'm gonna no. We're gonna go youngest to oldest because mine's nowhere near as cool as you guys. Um, we're gonna go lamest to best. Yeah, that's right. All right, so, Matt, go first. Yep. Uh, I moved. I moved from Hayward to. Salida. It's a really long drive. I did it in the mini truck. Uh, quick recap. I you wear headphones in the mini truck, right? Sometimes. I didn't much for this drive, but I do some. Um, actually, I did a lot of the drive in silence. <laughs> well, not silence, but not music or podcast or anything. But um, I listened to a lot of cool stuff. I learned a bunch of stuff, but I drove a bunch. I delivered two sets of packages along the way. And I am now in Salida, and I still don't feel that good from having... Oh, I've never really said it. I was really sick with Lyme disease, and I don't have Lyme disease anymore. I'm done taking medication for it, but there's this like buffer period when you're done with the medicine that you still don't feel that great. And I went from not riding at 1,000 feet of elevation for like a month or more to moving to 7,000 feet of elevation, and now 
trying to act now you're all energetic in the morning and then by afternoon you're like i feel like shit yeah um you should get one of those oxygen boost little canisters from walmart i'm not doing that there's no no proven (laughs) you need at least an hour oh okay but um yeah that's that's really all i've got i rode two bikes i rode an ibis ripley ls and um at one point i wanted to throw it into a river um and well, like then, one of the bearings was seized all the way up too so the suspension wasn't really working that well so that bike didn't want to work well though oh. i rode that bike and that bike just i did not like it um and then the next day i rode different bike on the exact same loop and i rode a stumpy 650b uh not my preferred wheel size but it had a, a nice fork on it. it had a yari and I could feel the wheels were making the f- suspension do more, but the suspension was definitely working much better. So I'm kind of toying between getting a Stumpy and a Trek Fuel EX. And- so on that vein, because I'm kind of in the same boat, I'm looking at long travel bikes right now. Yep. And I don't know what to get, and I don't want this to go on too much of a tangent, but have has anybody here ridden the Stumpy 29? Preferably a newer one. Levi has. Uh, He's not here, though. Levi has one, and he really... The only reason he would change the bike... or When I asked him if he would buy one again, he says if I could get it in carbon. So Levi's riding this double extra large stump jumper from Europe. Like, his specialized dealer somehow got him... Or his... Not his dealer, his rep got him hooked up with a double extra large alloy stump jumper frame. Um... And it fits him. He's really tall, and yeah, he's like six four, isn't he? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Like I look up to him, which is, and I'm six two. So, uh, but he said that he would ride one if he could get it in carbon. And That's he's cool. Pretty pretty smart guy. So, I because I have I have kind of four bikes on the table right now, and again, don't want to go into too much of a tangent, but just want to not bang this- about. Put four I want to put, yeah, I put this out here and like see what listener lands has to say about it and all that. So, Stumpy, uh, Carbon, Stumpy of course. Two nine. Stumpy 2.9. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold, on, uh, hold on. Can I maybe, interrupt? Maybe even the coil edition because fucking what? why not? So, but while we're talking about the new Stumpy, that $4,400 retail one is absurd. Some of the price points they're hitting are impressive. Like Carbon wheels. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, so forty four hundred bucks gets you carbon front triangle, carbon rear triangle, carbon hoops, and that's pretty insane. So you anyway, get, you get an alloy bar, but who cares, right? Yeah, really. Stumpy is yep. on the table. Yep, Enduro is on the table. Okay. Also from Scott, uh, Genius twenty nine, and by the way, this is all twenty nine. The Enduro is a twenty nine as well. Of course, I'm not interested in six fifty. Anyway, uh, Genius. 29 and also the scale like the standard scale that's 120 rear and then maybe throw like a 130 fork on it so those are the scale rc no no not that one cool that's interesting it sounds like you need to do some testing because you you're kind of covering the whole spectrum of bikes there well no they're both kind of similar ish bikes from just different manufacturers so well like the scale versus an enduro i'd call mid well, I, you say scale, but it's a 120 rear with like a 68 degree head tube angle or 67. It's a pretty slack bike. 
somewhere in that ballpark. It's new for this year. So anyway, we're talking about roughly, you know, 120, 130-ish rear bikes up to, you know, 140, 150 rear bikes. Um, so anyway, just think about it. Yeah. And I will say, this isn't a question that we're going to try to cover tonight, but we did get a a little bit of pushback that we don't cover enough cross-country stuff. <laughs> but Are you fucking shitting me? That's all we've talked about for five years. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's I politely responded that, you know, the, the path is going to be your more gravity-oriented crew, and we're still a very pedal-oriented crew, but we have spent many years talking about the smallest, rigidest bikes you can imagine, and there's just not much to cover with them at this point. Was that a joke question? It was not. Okay. Well, whoever wrote that in. I mean, we even have like, we've lamented about the, the dying off of cross country bikes a little I know. bit. Like, like I, I would still, I will still say to this day that for most people, myself included, a roughly 100 mil travel rear, maybe 120 front, 29 or full suspension is the best bike on the planet. It just is. Yeah. And yeah. Shit. I mean, we've we've preached that for five years, I think, uh, to varying degrees. But anyway, yeah, that's a really yeah. dumb question. And it's still and it still is like because not everyone lives in mountains where you have descents for half an hour. Even in Deer Valley, and I'll talk about this a little later. I've I have been fucking sending it on the RKT at Deer Valley on the lifts, like full lift run service, and it's still fucking awesome. But at some point, more travel does make more sense. But, I mean, even then, I still have tons of fun, and I can still ride pretty much anything that my ability will allow me to on that bike. So, yeah, XC is XC's fucking awesome. Definitely. And so this is how I'm going to segue back into mine real smooth. Is, you know, I rode the Stumpy on the exact same trail, and the trail didn't have a ton of jump stuff. Um did I jump stuff on the Stumpy or the Ripley? The Stumpy. You did it on the Ripley, and I was like, holy shit. No, the the it was the first day on the Ripley that we went to the jump line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I did most of the jump line right here in town on the Ripley. Um, they're like real doubles with like rocks that like make the backside of the landing. So if you like come up short, you're like going to crash into rocks. But um, on the trail... Not the jump line, but just on the trail trail. The Stumpy definitely jumped better. And before you write in and tell me that it was the flickability of the 27.5 wheels and my fucking eyeball pops out. Like, <laughs> what I mean is, like, you, you like, preload the bike and pull on it, and it just jumps better. Like, the suspension jumped better. The bike rode better. Um, the Ripley was really short and really, it just didn't, I didn't feel good on the bike. And I felt really good riding the Stumpy. Like, both of the bikes were larges. And the, the Ripley was like, this bike is, I look like a clown. And then the Stumpy was just like, yeah, this bike's a little small. Like, So I'll give some input. Uh, my RKT jumps way better than my Jet ever did. Damn. Like, even my, even my 100 mil Jet. So what the fuck does that mean, right? So it's not even necessarily about travel. It's more about just... I guess weight distribution and chain stay length and all that kind of stuff. And RKT's got way shorter chain stay length. So maybe that's what it was. And it just, you know, also I think a lot of it is just the, the way the bike works. You know, the bike is a, 
I don't think you could point to, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you can't point to one number and say this makes the bike jump good. You know, it's it's the whole package of how it feels. So yeah, for sure, some bikes like to be in the air, and some definitely do not. Yep. So, um, so I've ridden uh, Ripley, and I've ridden the uh, the Stumpy, and I kind of want that Stumpy that Kenny and I just both touched on that that forty four hundred dollar ish all carbon build. everything but the bar. Yeah, it's all carbon. With GX, which is a... I kind of want to get the uh, that like purple iridescent paint with the coil Olens. <laughs> yeah. That's hot. It's a little bit out of my budget, unfortunately. But um, the other thing that I was going to say that I've done is I helped out with Vapor Trail a little bit. So that's going to lead into what Andrew talked about. But I did a little bit of support and running around for Vapor Trail. And it was a hoot. And yeah, it was uh, it was fun. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, I guess it'll be real by the time it's posted. Um, I am still going to be doing stuff for mountain bike radio, but I got a job at absolute bikes. So start tomorrow morning early work, 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 work. What's the position? Uh, we just made it up. So, um, (laughs) service rider with a bunch of other shit to keep you busy. Uh, yeah. So maybe the, a better way to put it is I'm going to use some of my experiences from being new to the shop. So I won't have that. This is the way we've always done it perspective. And I'm going to use my experience from working at Wheat Ridge and my experience from, I would even say working outside of the bicycle industry. And, uh, I'm going to be a service writer. So I'll be the, the lead of the service department in the sense of like customer facing and, Throughout the winter, there's a bunch of projects that I'm going to do in order to um, ensure that I continue to have a position and help them make some better uh, systems or processes. So as things get busy next year, there's a a process and a like a you know a system in place for new people that come in to be trained under and to be successful. So I'm really excited. Actually, I've never really felt walking into a shop that I have a, uh, a clear view of how to be successful and what's going to make me like achieve. And I was given a sheet today and it was like not a generic sheet. It was like for me typed out like short term, long term, you do these things, you're successful. And it's like, damn. So it's really cool. And I'm really looking forward to it. So so just out of curiosity, if you, you don't have to get into it if you don't want to, who's responsible for that? Is that the owner or the GM or somebody else that did all that? Um, yes. So there is a collaboration. There is an owner and there is a manager. And then there is a, you kind of have to, there's a underneath the, the manager. Um, you could say that there's a little bit of not, it's a very um, level playing field, you could say. Uh, but there is a, a person that would be the de facto sales manager and there's a person that would be the service manager, but he's not really this, neither of them really, uh, wear that cap with like their chest puffed out is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. They're not like, I'm the manager, do what I say. It's like, I'm the manager. I'll lead you along the right path. That's just what I've seen. Yeah. That's, that's a good take on it. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so with that, uh, I'm actually kind of twofold excited because it 
does look like I'll I'll be able to to shop from the from a pretty like extensive library of bicycles when I go to replace my top fuel, which did sell. And I will have a pretty cool opportunity to get some get some bikes going. So um yeah. Gosh, I just rambled for fifteen minutes. What are your brands again? Trek Specialized, Yeti, Ibis, and Intense. And what about Kona. Pivot? And Pivot. And pivot. No Santa Cruz, no salsa. That's probably the easier way to put it. Well, we don't have <laughs> Santa Cruz and salsa. No Santa Cruz, salsa, Scott. Yeah, no Scott. Felt. No Cannondale. Felt. Yeah, but I mean, you look at big players. So yeah, like Pivot, Kona, Intense, Specialized, Trek, Yeti. That's kind of all your Enduro stuff you could really want. We have of lots Santa of Cruz. bikes. And it... it it makes specialized angry a little bit. Whatever. Yeah, specialized gets super jelly about that stuff. Yeah. They're like they act like total jealous girlfriend or boyfriend. But uh that's I mean I get it. I rambled for a long time, but that's pretty much all I got. So Yeah, going in order of age, we'll go to or lameness, we'll go to someone a little less lame, Kenny. What the fuck's been up with you? <laughs> yeah. So I've been out of town for not quite a week in California, uh, hanging out at Specialized headquarters. So drinking that Specialized Kool-Aid. Um, but basically, hold you know, on, every hold year. On, hold on. Did you have any like broken down tubes that you shotgun beer through the SWAT hole on? Because if you didn't, I'm going to be really <laughs> disappointed. That'd be awesome, like a DOS boot, but it's a carbon frame. That would be a really good idea. So takeaways from it without like you know pissing people off basically that either work at specialized or whatever just to let people know super high level like what goes on at these yearly things i've been to cannondale ones and i now have been to a specialized one and they're actually really similar and both in a good way and they get you kind of long story short they get you pumped up for the new products that are coming out and you learn like hey these are the directions the company's going this is what we did bad last year this is what we're going to try to do better this year here's all the new models these are you know why you sell this bike to this person uh and the biggest thing is it's a social thing too you get to go meet the people that you send emails to and talk to on the phone wait um, so what so did they really say cool. they did bad last year uh, I probably can't go into all that kind of stuff. And they don't just come out generally. They don't just come out and say like, Oh, it was bad. I can tell you Cannondale's one, uh, because this is from two years ago and I'm not a Cannondale deal anymore. So they can't get mad. And I think everybody knows it. It was just generally that the 2015 model year was not great for like, honestly, most bike shops, like most bike shops just didn't really kill it in 15 for whatever reason, you know, it's little economy, little this, little that. And, you know, Cannondale kind of stepped up and owned that. And they're like, yeah, our models were kind of meh and this and that. And availability maybe wasn't quite right. It's that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't think there were any major ones that I can think of that Specialized says that, you know, said they screwed up. At least not ones that I can share. So, because it's all, you know, that's all pretty new stuff. But basically, their uh, their headquarters is super cool. So if anybody has a chance to go tour that, I don't know if you can do it just like as a normal Joe Schmo. You probably can get some kind of tour. But if you're curious, really cool. It's in Morgan Hill, uh, California, which is pretty close to San Jose. 
and it's just awesome. I mean, it's a big old campus and they've got, you know, just tons of people there and everybody there is pretty, you know, pretty stoked to be doing what they're doing. And it's always neat to see that. And for sure, like their marketing department is really good and all their designers and graphic people and everybody's super good at what they do without a doubt. Um, they've got the infrastructure for sure. It's absolutely wild. I mean, they're a, they're a big ass company and they're not scared to spend money when they think it's going to be worth it. So that's also really cool too, you know, like buying wind tunnels and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was a cool experience. It's really neat to see all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're just, blah, I can't even talk. They're just as excited as any other big company would be about, Hey, these are our new products and we're super proud of them. And this is why we did what we did and all that good stuff. So it's generally a fun thing, but also on the other hand, from like my viewpoint, it's fucking work. Um, you get up early as shit and you sit in a classroom for like six hours a day. And I say classroom, it's like an auditorium. So it's pretty, you know, it's a little bit nicer than that, but think big ass lecture hall for like a one Oh one class. It's, I mean, it's work. You're taking notes, you're thinking, you know, you're constantly evaluating your own business, comparing it to what they're saying. You know, maybe you should be trying this. Have you tried that? There's lots of like panel discussions with other, uh, with other bike shops, for example, random people from the industry that aren't, don't necessarily work for specialized come in and talk. I mean, they try to have lots of different viewpoints. It's not just, it's not just specialized cramming shit down your throat saying, oh, buy our shit. It's the best. I mean, it's really a pretty neat high level overview of like what the whole industry is doing and where stuff's going. And of course, just like anybody else, same with thing with Cannondale, um, you know, they're pushing e-bikes hard because especially in Europe, it's a big freaking deal. And um, can I interject one quick thing on that? Sure. Yeah. When we talk about fat bikes and then later mid fat bikes, and then now e-bikes as the fastest growing segment, it's really easy to grow zero into anything. So th I think that the reason that you see this big push in these new categories is because it's the first opportunity. Uh, and, and then not to stray too far, but how many times can you tell me the new Stumpy is just better and ram that same shit down my throat? You can now show me something different and tell me why it's better than the competitor and try to sell to that. Yeah, without a doubt. If you have a completely new category, it's pretty easy to get people excited about that category, right? Yeah. Like it's probably arguably hard to make a 100 slash 120 29er full suspension bike a hell of a lot better than what we have now. It's going to be baby, teeny incremental things, right? Correct. But when e-bikes when e used to be these freaking abortions of like batteries and bottle cage mounts and like rack mount shit and motors hanging off the bottom into these now like super sleek, you know, pretty well done systems. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of progress being made there. And for what it's worth in Europe, um, it, it's a percentage wise, I'm not going to give out the exact numbers. I'm sure people can go look them up. But we're talking about a lot of mountain shops and stuff out there doing like 50% of their business straight e-bike. So we're not talking about like niche fat bike stuff, really. So whether people want to admit it or not, the e-bike thing is, at least in Europe, and I don't know if we're going to do the exact same thing here, it's freaking big, really big. Yep. But anyway, I don't want, to, I don't want this to turn into the whole e-bike debate thing 
So that's not what it's about. Uh, what else about specialized? Yeah, really cool. They got an awesome pump track out there that's uh, paved and some people ate massive shit on it, uh, possibly involving alcohol. And what else? Yeah, just a cool headquarters. I mean, it's a really neat vibe there at that place. I mean, they got lots of just cool stuff. Um, you know, everybody does like a awesome lunch ride and their locker room is like out of control. I mean, at, at any given time, like 60 people could shower in there. It's just crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's not just like some little thing, like an afterthought. It's like a main focal point. Like, hey, go commute to work and go ride at lunch and that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, like the cafeteria is badass and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They definitely, you know, want to make it a cool, fun place to work uh, from what I've seen. What else about specialized? I think that's it. Uh, I guess on to like what I rode demo wise. I didn't have a ton, a ton of time because the demos, by the time you get there and get geared up and like get your bike set up and all that kind of stuff. I think there was about roughly three hours that you actually had to ride. But by the time you do the setup and take down and all that, you know, at most you could probably ride two bikes for a decent uh, stint each. So on the mountain one, I rode a new Epic. So I rode a 2018 Epic. I believe it was a comp. No, I believe it was an expert carbon. So nice build, but definitely not like an S works. I'm guessing it probably weighed somewhere in the ballpark of 25 pounds. Had a Reba, but no brain. So maybe it wasn't an expert. I should probably look this up and tell you guys the right thing. Not that it matters that much. Long story short, no brain in the fork, just regular Reba, rock shock brain in the back like they all have, and fast track tires front and back, size medium. So everything else was kind of like right. I set the suspension up properly and all that good stuff. And I did a course that was pretty exposed and pretty blown out and dusty. Not a lot of berms on the descent, but really fast and definitely lots of braking and lots of nasty kind of braking bumps and loose over and that kind of stuff. So you couldn't just totally like all mountain rail it. And it, I will say it climbs really well without a doubt. Like you, I had it on the open setting the entire time, but it still had tons of pedaling platform and you could kind of do the deal where you'd sit down for a while and then like over a techie hump or something that was a little bit steeper, you could just stand up for three or four pedal strokes and then sit right back down. And it was damn near a hardtail. It felt really good. I mean, so the power transfer and the climbing on it and the traction uh, was all really good, I thought. So, I mean, they definitely nailed that part of it. I was not as stoked on the descending. It is without a doubt better than the old bike on descending. But it was a little weird. It was not, it kind of wanted to blow corners. It was a little bit understeery for my taste. And the back definitely bucked around quite a bit. But that's me like comparing it to, you know, arguably more capable bikes as far as descending goes. It was definitely better than a hardtail without a doubt. So, I mean, the market for the Epic, I think may, is the same. It's the same as it always has been. An XC guy, maybe a marathon guy, Leadville. Leadville, that kind of thing. Honestly, if you're going to do a gravel race on it, it would fucking kick ass. I think that they should do a Leadville edition that has um, a one piece, like all one piece of like molded carbon um, handlebar with arrow bars molded into it. I think that's a that's a great idea. Uh, you know, 
charge twenty thousand dollars for it and get you it gets you a free entry guarantee oh my God, into that's Leadville. Such, oh man, Kenny, you took my idea to the next level. Yeah. So if I was in marketing with with uh, specialized, I would have just gotten a fucking fatty promotion right there. Man, you could. Man, that's that's two ideas that this show has had that the bike industry is probably going to take from us and never give us credit. <laughs> like we're not going to get credit for Eagle Tap. And then we're also not going to get credit for the Leadville edition S-Works Epic that includes a free entry to Leadville. How awesome would that be though? And they can, uh, and they'll take the bike back when you're done and they'll like, you know, with proper graphics, put your finishing time like on the top tube. Oh my God. And it's included in the price. And if you DNF, they take the bike back. (laughs) And you don't get your money back. (laughs) <laughs> no it's a it's a pretty big risk <laughs> oh man uh but anyway you know epic again it's just it's not my genre of bike it's close but it's not my genre of bike so i think that's why i wasn't super uh unbelievably happy with it but it is without a doubt it is the best epic that they've built like that's not a question it's lighter the rear suspension does work better it's not going to kill you on like a one degree descent um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a solid bike. You just got to know what you're getting into when you're buying it. When you're buying it, it is not, unfortunately I'll say it. Uh, it's not a replacement. I don't think for the Cannondale scalpel or an RKT or a pivot 429 SL. It It's just not. What else? I rode a specialized Roubaix road bike on the road day and it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at. I'm gonna leave it. It at has that. the head shock, right? Yeah, I, yeah. It has the weird head shock thingy. I mean, they call so, it a future shock, but I call it a head shock. <laughs> so anyway, I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh on my that. god! Hold on, hold on. I gotta write this down. You can just. Did you record what he said about that bike earlier? And you could just like splice. No, that in I here? just want to like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can find like a little thing to add in right there. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you, I don't really love that that head future shock on um, on the diverge. Just test riding a few of those up and down the street. It's just squishy, and it sounds like an old mattress. Oh, so on the mountain demo, uh, I'm very proud to say that I ran a Levo completely out of battery. From it wasn't quite fully charged, but I think it was about three quarters, and I did it in thirty minutes. Good job. Yeah, I fucking full-on sprinted a 1,500-foot climb on that. Like, 185 heart rate. You guys can look at the Strava ride. Oh, God, you I, put I it took on it, I took it. No, I took it down from the leaderboards, but you can go look at it. So to give you an idea, on the Epic, at cross-country race pace, my cross-country race pace, which is not particularly fast, but I was fucking going hard. I did this climb in maybe 55 minutes on the Epic uh epic or maybe it was 45 minutes i don't know whatever it was somewhere around 50 minutes on the epic and i did it in 20 flat on the levo <laughs> god damn <laughs> oh man it was legit it was fast as fuck uh and so the levo was really cool again you guys can get pissed and say whatever you want but for what it was doing it did a really good job at it without a doubt uh, but you also you also have to understand what it is. If you're going to full on sprint that thing in full assist mode, it's got a little screen and it'll tell you. Uh, you have to hook it up to your phone. It doesn't actually have a screen on the bars. 
but I was doing an average of almost 250 watts input. It has a power meter you can read live, by the way, and even on a Garmin, which is really cool. Yep. And then it shows so, what it's adding on top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was 600 plus 250. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. So I was doing a pretty legit 850 watts. <laughs> I did take my dad when when my parents were in town. I took my dad out to ride e bikes. We just went up a gravel road to the top of the little the S mountain that is right behind town. Um, yeah, and I I made like I rode an e bike also because knowing my dad, I knew that he would if I rode a regular bike, he would just like do the same thing you did. He would just like drop me and laugh about it, and then go tell all of his friends. So did you tell him about Loyal Duke's grave? No, I didn't. I'll post a link to it with the show. It's pretty cool. Okay. So it turns out that Alevo, with 850 watts combined, even though it's freaking 650 plus and 50 pounds, is a goddamn missile <laughs> up a mountain. <laughs> well, yeah, Kenny, you tripled your power and you didn't triple your weight. And that's how going uphill works. <laughs> yeah. It, so it was really fast. Um and descending, it was okay. You could definitely feel in a few places that it was a little bit on the heavy side, but it was definitely not bad. I'll say it descended better than the Epic for <laughs> you guys can take that for whatever it is. Uh, but I mean, again, that's not actually a dig on the Epic. I mean, we're talking about a bike with 120 rear, 150 front without any brain that's shit. so good. So, I mean, it is was- Is the Levo 120 know, or is it built on a stumpy? Uh, I don't know that it's built necessarily on a stumpy. My understanding is it's 120 rear and 150 front. And now you can get a 29 or only version, uh, that is called the short travel and it's 120 rear, 120 front. I think we're, we're maybe, talking way too much about e-bikes on this episode. Maybe a little less than that, but anyway, it, it is, if it's something you're looking for, it is a very well executed bike. And again, we're not going to argue about e-bikes on the show anymore. Uh, it just, it just is what it is. You can get pissed about it. My advice to you would be if you're even like remotely curious about it, quit bitching about it on the internet and just go ride one, just go ride the damn thing. And then you can either continue bitching about it or you can say it's amazing. I don't really care, but until you ride it, just shut the fuck up. That's really all I can say. So the, the Levo 650 is 140, 140. Uh, okay. I guess I'm totally wrong on that. Good. Let's go. I thought it was something was 150 on the front, but anyway, uh, those are all the bikes I rode and for other cool stuff, they've got a neat little, uh, it's not supposed to be a specialized ad. This is just stuff on the top of my mind. Cause I saw it and wrote a bunch of stuff is they have a neat little, uh, they've got a neat little road bike that's steel and it could make kind of a cool gravel bike or a road bike, or just, it's a nice little do it all bike. And it's neat to see somebody like specialized, make kind of a, what I would almost call like a niner type niche bike. What bike is it? That's really cool. Oh shit. I, I, my brain is like fried. I got up at 5am today to get on a plane and now I'm back here and I worked all day. So, okay. Here we is go. Is it the Sequoia? It is the Sequoia. Yes. You got it. Cool. So for someone looking for a niche bike and it's got some really nice price points and stuff, check that out. I think that's uh it's pretty neat. It's cool to see them do that kind of stuff. I will. Uh, Let me throw my two cents in. Yeah, go for if it. If you buy a Sequoia, buy new wheels. They're heavy. They're real heavy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I like are. held one, they are, but, and I was like, "Damn, 
How is it so heavy? <laughs> like it's one of those things you pick it up no. and you're like, oh god, I'm gonna make a note. I have a, a wheel to tell Kenny about later. Nice, nice. So I'm actually in the market for a road bike. And one reason I've been looking at the Sequoias is I kind of want to just do something fun and kind of random. And most of the time, honestly, this bike is going to live on the trainer here because I'm going to get one of those Wahoo smart trainers because, uh, you know, it does get really cold here and all my other friends ride uh, Zwift. So I think that could be fun, but I don't want to go buy some like S-Works tarmac because like I don't really care that much about road. And mountain biking is so good here that if you ride the road bike when it's nice out, like what's wrong with you? I, I don't understand. But anyway, I'm thinking about getting the Sequoia and then pimping it. The problem is I'm going to end up with the Sequoia, like a $2,000 one, the one that comes with a two by one Oh five. And I'm going to want to do kind of like weird and wonderful stuff. Like maybe even do a one by like DI two XT derailleur and like, you know, carbon bar, carbon post, carbon wheels, carbon crank like put some nice shit on it but what i'll probably do get it as it is ride it if i like it and like the geo and all that kind of stuff then i'll pimp it and if i don't like it then i'll get something else yep so i think that about covers me on another topic i still like absolutely love my rkt that bike is so good uh it's now got a fox 34 120 on it other than that, it's kind of all the same stuff that's always been. And you can just rip on that bike. You can just do whatever. You can go climb shit. You can go descend shit, ride flat shit, whatever. It's it's just a really good bike. Uh, I mean, I've been super, super happy with it. So I'm really torn about getting another bike. I'll definitely not be getting rid of the RKT, I don't think. I just want to supplement it with possibly a longer travel bike because I've been doing have, – I've been having more fun – doing lift service stuff. And I might even want to race some enduro out here. Uh, basically just going like full bro. That's good. I want to do the exact same thing, man. Like I want to keep my crave, <laughs> uh, cause there's not a lot of road riding here, but there's definitely a lot of riding that my Crockett won't be sufficient for my cross bike. So, um, I'm actually going to order Eagle for the crave tomorrow. And, I'm going to go ahead and say it now before you email me and tell me to eat my humble pie because I said Eagle was stupid a long time ago. I don't need Eagle to race cross country. I need Eagle to ride at 10,000 feet on a regular basis. And if you have a problem with that, get on my dick. <laughs> I'm saying that oh, yes. at one point I said Eagle is unnecessary. But I'm gonna be. Can we put a link to? Uh, I don't know what, for that little. I don't statement. know what show that was. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, it's we all have ridden. We've ridden pretty much everything since like three by nine, maybe a little longer for Kenny because he's been in the mountain bike game probably the longest. But I think at one by eleven, we all kind of said, "Well, yeah, that's that's good enough." Like, I don't really feel like I need more. I've got Eagle on one of my bikes now, and I can say, like, there have been a couple of instances where I've camped the fuck out on that that 3050. And I and I was glad I had it. Like, but this show is like science. It's not religion where we're gonna like say one thing and never change what we say. I mean, there are a few things that we're gonna say, like that we're pretty hard on, but you know, like our opinions on something when we have a different experience, we're willing to change them. And that's okay. Like, I, I like Eagle. I still like I did Vapor Trail, and I kept the 11-speed on my bike, and it was fine. 
I don't feel like I went any faster, any slower because I, you know, because of my lack of eagle. So it, it was fine too, but I can see the purpose now of having an eagle drivetrain. Uh, the link that I wanted you guys to post is uh, Steel Panther Weenie Ride for what Matt okay. said. Because he said, get on his dick. All right. All right, then. <laughs> yeah. So we need to find find that link and let people listen to that because it's a funny song. And I've been listening to Steel Panther lately. Okay. I think. And I'm super happy like too. I got a ball. Because we talked about Steel Panther a long time ago, didn't we? I think. Steel Panther never goes away. <laughs> like, they're really terrible, like awful like if your grandmother heard these lyrics she'd have like a heart attack and just fall over dead in her cornflakes oh they're 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 fucking terrifying like some of them i listen to and i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what that is i'm gonna have to look that up you like have to listen to the lyrics and have urban dictionary open (laughs) uh but anyway yeah steel panther is hilarious i want to go back to something really quick and this is just random stream of consciousness shit. As far as one by stuff goes and just props to SRAM on this, the one by 11, pretty much entire range and the one by 12, their shit is good. It just kind of works. It does. I'm really impressed and they have some price point stuff. I've been selling the hell out of like GX and even NX stuff for folks that have uh, like regular Shimano Freehub body. And I mean, that stuff works pretty damn yeah, well, for, like way better than the Shimano For anyone stuff. out there that doesn't know uh, that NX cassette, it's it's an 1142, correct? Yeah, so an 1142 11-speed 11 cassette that will fit on a Shimano uh, Freehub body, so you don't have to have an XD driver. Yeah, so you could do neat stuff. Say you wanted really nice stuff, uh, GX or XX1, for example. You can get all that stuff, and then just on the cassette, you'd have to get that kind of heavy turd 1130 uh, Shimano spine cassette. But it'll let you run that stuff, even if it's just temporary until you figure out a wheel situation. So uh, that's really cool. I guess you could always just run a Shimano cassette, too. That works fine. Right. Because we have mixed... Uh, though my mix was the other way around. I had Shimano shifter and derailleur on a 1042 XD SRAM cassette. Um, and it worked, it worked all right. It wasn't, that doesn't work as well. The Shimano cassette with SRAM derailleur and shifter, uh, works just fine though. Mechanical. Have you done, um, the, a SRAM derailleur with, um, the 1146? Okay. No. So I don't know if that one works or not. And then we've talked about this before. The only way I've seen with Shimano drivetrain 11 speed and SRAM proper XD cassettes to get that to work is DI2. And that's what I use. And that works for whatever reason. But unfortunately, we've had a few people, uh, including some old uh, outdoors customers that tried doing the SRAM cassette with mechanical yeah, Shimano that's what 11 I did. speed and that it works like eh, well you just, you have to be you have to be with comfortable it. with um uh, like barrel adjuster adjusting yeah like w- one click barrel adjustment and then like nothing works mine wasn't really that sensitive it's just like if if it got really dirty or like if it was raining or something I would have to like twist the barrel adjuster a little bit and I could make it work but I had to be it, 
the only reason it worked is because I was, I'm comfortable with those adjustments because I do them like 500 times a day. So, so I was, Oh, a, it's, you know, uh, like, it's raining out. My, my derailleur is not going. Well, it worked. I just had to like fidget with it a little bit and then it was fine. That was supposed to be old person. Voice. Yeah, I know. Fuck you. Talking about, well, not even referring <laughs> you, but it could be about you now, actually, now that you brought it up. Uh, but it was more of the, uh, oh, it's raining in my hip. Oh, hurts. yeah. That doesn't happen yet. It's raining, so my, my derailleur is not going to work too good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was all right. But yeah, if you're a person that wants everything to be 100, 100% perfect and you don't know what those little twisty things are in your shifters, um, then yeah, don't. Uh, don't do that. Not for you. Oh, right, yes. uh, Andrea, you should probably go through your shit because uh, it's we've been we've been going at this for almost forty five minutes and we've answered zero oh, questions. Well, we'll have an episode of us talking and then an episode of us answering questions. Whatever. Um, yeah. So, well, I actually have two exciting things. Um, exciting thing number one: uh, I also have a new twelve speed drivetrain. That is not uh, SRAM or Shimano, because we all know that Shimano will at some point have a 12-speed drivetrain. Um, anyway, I have a Viral Skeptic, which is uh, something a creation of Steve Domahitty. He changed the name of his company from Domahitty to Viral, because um, <laughs> partially because of our recommendation of no one knows how to pronounce his name. <laughs> the, 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 the what i i don't know so that bike was kind of released through our show and i'll post a link to it yeah so steve um when he released the viral skeptic we interviewed him we rode the bike around the neighborhood thought wow this is this is pretty neat um but you know it was riding around on asphalt so we didn't really get a chance to form any sort of real opinions about it more than like, I want to see what this ride's like off of asphalt because the pinion drive is a little jumpy. So it's a pinion, a pinion gearbox bike. So it's got 12 speeds and they're in the crank area of the bike. Like it's the frame is made specially to hold the pinion gearbox and, um, it's 12 speed. It's got a 500 and I want to say 500 and. 508 with 12 equally spaced shifts. I thought it was like 512 or something. I don't know. It's a little more than 500%. To the internet. To the internet. It's more than a 500% range, so a little bit bigger than uh, Eagle. Um, and it is 27.5 plus. It's got three inch tires on it. Um, it Yari is, fork. It's got a Yari fork. It is a very brappy hardtail. Um, dropper post. It's got a dropper post. I've only ridden it once, and I had a really, really good time on it. Um, I'm going to use it for some bike packing. I'm going to do a big trip here in about a week. Um, well, first I'm going to race a cross country race on it on Saturday, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to do um, a bike packing trip the next weekend. Um, so it's going to be kind of a little workhorse. It's been really cool so far. It is heavy. That's the only thing that the only complaint I have about the bike so far, it looks awesome. It's fun to ride, but it is a 32 pound hardtail. 
Um, part of it is the Yari fork being like a big, um, brappy fork. Um, uh, part of it is the wheels. It's got like race face effect wheels or something like that. Um, 600%. Oh, well, there we go. I thought it was 500 something, but sure. 600%. Um, uh, and it is a Gates carbon drive bike. So it has a belt on it. It has a sealed gearbox. Um, uh, it should basically be foolproof. Um, it did come with some elixir brakes and I am hoping that by the time this show posts, I will have some different brakes from SRAM in my possession, um, to put on the bike and to just kind of test out and play around with. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and I, I am pretty excited to ride it because it's, it's not, you know, I've been bikepacking on the one nine, the nine or one nine, and it is once it's all loaded down, um, it is sketchy as fuck. And it's for sale. Yeah, it's for sale. Um, not the best bike packing bike, but it is a great. Yeah, it's a nice carbon hardtail. You can single speed it. It's got a Sid World Cup fork on it. Um, a couple of little like cosmetic frame rub spots from bags on it, but otherwise in really, really good condition. It probably has the fewest miles on it of any of the bikes I own. Um, yeah, it's a really nice bike. I don't really, I, I don't know how much to ask for it. Matt, how much are they going for on eBay right now? Have you researched that? Whatever they're going for on eBay. Yeah. Sid World Cup fork, Niner carbon frame, eccentric bottom bracket. It's a small. Alloy crank, carbon bar, carbon seat post. Dented up ass alloy wheels. Yeah, I have a set of carbon wheels, um, Industry 9 carbon wheels, uh, the ultralight pillars. I also have a set of Trail 24s. Um, if you are interested in that bike, um, we can we can talk about which wheels you want because it's nice and light and I could sell it with either set of wheels and then when I sell another bike, the other set of wheels will go on that bike. So if you want a black and yellow 1-9, Niner 1-9, um, hit me up through the show. Um, you can email Andrea at BrickHouseRacing.com and we can talk about it. Um, anyway, so on to the next one. Uh, got the viral and also over the weekend I raced the Vapor Trail 125 and it was, it was really good. I'm going to write up a full race report that I'm going to post on my blog, but I basically, um, you know, just from a few days of bike packing and some long rides, I figured out, um, if I'm going to do Vapor Trail, which is easily you know, like the women's record is 13 hours and change, which I I knew I, I'm not going to get close to 13 hours. Um, you know, looking at the like 15 to 17 hour mark, my previous time when I raced, it was 17 and a half hours. And my one, my only goal going in, and this is what I feel like if you're doing vapor trail, like you can't set a time goal and then, hope to just smash it um, because it's a hard race. It starts at 10 PM in the dark. Um, it's got Colorado trail. It's got gravel road climbing. It's got hike a bike. It's got lots of hike a bike. Um, I've got a quick, quick question. I was trying to look at times yeah. and stuff and the times don't make any sense. Oh, they to post what time you hit the aid stations and what your finishing time, like time of day was. 
But that doesn't make any sense to me when I looked at yeah. The so you results. have to just think 10 p.m. start time, and then the times you see as finish times are whatever that time is the next day. Okay, but the issue was I was trying to add up, um, and like the winner was what like a little over ten hours or something crazy. No, like that. so he finished at. 10 something the next day. So his finish time was 12 hours and change. 12.24 was Josh Tostado's. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I Josh Tostado, okay. uh, he won the men's race. He set a new course record uh, in process, which is pretty amazing considering um, this year and last year, uh, they had to reroute the course from using the Alpine Tunnel Trail over Altman Pass um, they had to reroute it over a Jeep road called Hancock Pass that was that's nearby um, because there was a rock slide in the other area. Um, and the Hancock Pass, while it's a little bit shorter, is arguably harder. Um, there's, you know, it does have some hike a bike. Um, it's just a more difficult, it's a steeper, nastier climb. So um, the fact that Josh set a new course record is pretty great. Um I went into it. Also, Josh set two records. He was the first to finish and one of the last to leave. Yeah. He hung out for most of the people finishing. No, he was still there after you went back to bed. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I went into it. My only goal was to do better than 17 and a half hours, which um, I... I knew I had a high chance of success because when I did 17 and a half hours, I was not quite as fit as I am now. I was also not at all acclimated to the elevation. So I basically could do like the same, I guess you could say like perceived exertion as I did before and still go faster because I'm just more fit and more acclimated to elevation. So it's, it was a super, super easy goal. I just wanted to see how much faster I could go than 17 and a half hours. Um, so that was how I paced myself. I made sure. So there were a few other women, um, Tracy Thielen, she's done the race, uh, four times now. So she's super experienced and she's done a lot of 24 hour racing. Like she is an, an extremely experienced endurance racer. Um, there are a couple other women. I don't, I didn't really know who at the start of the race. So you do like a long neutral rollout, um, to get, uh, close to the Colorado trail. And then you really start climbing and that's when the race starts. And, um, when you start the climb to the Colorado trail, uh, Tracy and some other women just, they took off like cross country pace. And I was like, well, I don't know about the other women, but Tracy knows what the fuck she's doing. Like, and if she, if she knows she can go that fast all night, then Godspeed. Like, I'm not going to catch her. Like, that's, I can't go that fast and, you know, have a good race. So I'm just going to go my pace. And that's what I did. Um, I just kind of all night, uh, just did a relatively easy pace. But when you know you're going to be out there for over 13 or 14 hours, like, if you're going to be riding, pretty much that entire time with just a few, you know, a few pee breaks and a couple of like aid stations. Like you, you really got to pace the shit out of yourself. Um, so I kept it super easy all night. Um, 
you know, did a lot of alternating between sitting and standing once I was out on like this long railroad grade climb. Um, you know, made sure that I, I've had in the past on hike a bike sections kind of losing a little bit of focus and slowing down. So, you know, it's really paying attention to keeping the same effort, you know, like when I'm pedaling, don't pedal too hard. And when I'm hike a biking, make sure that I keep the same effort and not just kind of like stop and stare at the stars. Um, just really concentrating on pace and eating gel. I, I had, a. I ate almost three flasks of Roctane gel while I was out there. I guess I probably ate about two and a half um, of just Roctane gel. And then I had solid food at the aid stations. Um, there's basically, basically it's Colorado trail. Then you hit an aid station and then you have a long time before the next aid station. There's a long, long climb. You climb up to 12,000 or more feet. Um, I caught, Tracy the first time at the very top of the hike a bike, which is like the highest point of the course. And from there you descend a really rowdy descent. Like it's not an easy downhill. Um, it's moto trail. It's kind of blown out in some spots. There's spots where you have to, um, you have to commit to the rut, like where the trail is on a fall line and motorcycles have been riding it and like blowing it out and making big loose rocks and stuff. Um, I've, I pre-wrote it a couple of weeks ago and I learned that like the best line is the rut. So you have to get in this rut that's like elbow deep in some spots. So, um, you know, commit to the rut. Yeah. I caught Tracy at the top of, um, Granite mountain and I didn't realize it was her until like, I actually said something because my light battery, my first light battery ran out. I was like, Oh, perfect timing. And the person in front of me turned around and looked really quick and took off. And I was like, Oh, that was Tracy. She thought I meant like perfect timing. I caught her. Um, but really I meant perfect timing. I got to the top of the hike a bike and I was ready to like switch to a fresh battery. Um, but I caught her there and you know, it's the top of the hike a bike is close to 50, not quite 50 miles into the course out of 125 miles. So I just let her go. You know, I figured if I'm, if I caught her that quickly, um, there's no reason to chase at that point. Like I wanted to put my jacket on. I wanted to put some warm gloves on because it's, you know, it's like in the upper twenties at that point because you're at 12, you're over 12,000 feet and it's nighttime. Um, and it was four or five thirty in the morning at that point. So we started at 10, um, caught her about five thirty in the morning, uh, started the descent, you know, and I just, I, you know, put, zip my jacket up, sw- swapped out my light battery. Um, you basically made myself comfortable, um, ate some more food. And then I started down the long descent to, uh, the second aid station, you know, going through there, they were like, Oh, Tracy just left. And so I, you know, I didn't see her, but I knew that she wasn't too far away. And I had caught the, the other women that had ridden off. Like I caught them way before I ever saw Tracy. Um, they were kind of, one of them was a little bit lost on, not lost, but like she, she wasn't sure where the course went and didn't see one of the flags at night. So she had actually backtracked on course and I caught up to her and chatted with her a minute. And then I kept on going and she slowed down. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I got to the second aid station. They said, Tracy had just left. I kind of kept just doing the same thing because after that you start going up 
a really, really long climb. It's a nine mile climb. It's actually nine and a quarter miles. At the bottom of the road, you see the sign that says, uh, Old Monarch Pass, nine miles. You hit nine miles, and then it's like another quarter to a third of a mile before you're actually at the pass. So just in case you're ever wondering. Um, and it's a long, monotonous climb. And on that climb, I kind of, that was definitely like the low point of my race, I have to say, because the sleep deprivation was really, really catching up to me. But the sun was starting to come up, and it uh, it wasn't all the way up yet where I was. Like, it was... I wasn't getting like full sunlight shining in my face. Like it was light enough that I could definitely see, like I turned my lights off, you know, before I even got to the aid station at the bottom of that descent. Um, you know, but I hadn't the really, the thing that really wakes you up physiologically is like sunlight shining right in your face, um, and caffeine. And, uh, so I, it was kind of, it wasn't until I was way up that climb, like, more than an hour later that I really got like some full good sunlight and it started to warm up a little bit. And I got to, uh, the Monarch pass aid station about an hour and a half after I left the second aid station and Matt was there. He, uh, lubed the chain on my bike, tightened up one of my quick or one of my, uh, my, my through axles. Well, your RWS lever was trying to fall off the through axle. Yeah. Um, so he, he worked on my bike. He helped me get, um, some warm shoes and socks. That is one of the greatest things ever. If, if your feet have been like cold and wet since midnight and the next day at like eight forty five, you get to put on warm wool socks and dry shoes. That's like one of the greatest feelings in the world. Um, I also had a few pieces of bacon and peanut butter sandwich, which was awesome. I hadn't really felt like eating more than just gel since, like before that. Um, so I, well, I did have a piece of sausage at the other aid station, but it wasn't very good. <laughs> I even, I took one with me. I put it in my pack and I tried to eat it on Old Monarch Pass and I just, I couldn't. Um, did you just toss it? I did. Marmots? I just tossed the sausage off to the side of the road. <laughs> it was like a little breakfast sausage. I, I'm sure some animal ate it. Uh, but yeah, so Matt helped me out at uh, Monarch Pass. And like when I got to Monarch, Monarch Pass is like the aid station where everyone hangs out for at least like a little longer than the other ones because that's where you can have a drop bag. And a lot of people do like I, I swapped helmets because I had my light attached to my other helmets. So I put a lighter helmet on. I got my sunglasses. Uh, I put sunscreen on. You know, it's kind of like that regroup spot before you go to finish the race. And it's less than halfway through the race. Like, it's a little less than halfway. I think it's like mile 68 or something. 60-something. Um, but when I rolled in, Tracy was just about to leave. And once again, I was like, just make yourself comfortable. And I had in my head, like, where I would on course, like where I would, if I hadn't seen her, because I kept seeing her and kept seeing her and kept catching up. I had in my head where I would say, okay, it's time to like turn it up a little bit and start chasing. Um, but it ends up, I didn't have to, um, I caught up to her on starvation Creek, which is a loop off of the Monarch crest trail. Um, I caught up to her right at the beginning of that. There's a terrible Jeep section where, you have just these stair-stepping rollers that just get 
longer and steeper. Like you do one of them and you're like, Oh good. That's, that's done. It's over. And then like you go around a corner and there's another one right in front of you. That's even bigger than the last one. So it's a little bit soul crushing. And, uh, she had kind of blown up at that point and was walking. And, you know, I, I hike a bike to one of the rollers, you know, with her and passed. And really from there, then on, I just like, I just cranked it up from there because I didn't know how hard she was going to chase. And I found out later she didn't. She didn't chase at all. But in my head, she was chasing the shit out of me. So um, I, I got the Strava QOM for that Starvation Creek loop, um, which is kind of crazy considering what that it was like the next day, 12 hours after I had uh, started racing. So how much, how far out of second place were you? Or ahead of second place. Um, I don't know, Matt. What was? Are you looking at the finish times right now, or do you have it pulled up? I think I finished like more than an hour ahead of her. Oh wow! Yeah, like so she. Andrea when I say she didn't finished. chase, she she didn't like. I passed her, and then I rode like she was chasing me, and a hundred yards behind me, and she just didn't go any faster. I'm gonna have to do something real quick. Um, Matt's got to do the math. But yeah, so, so Andrea finished at two sixteen in the afternoon, and Tracy finished at three thirty seven. So hour and twenty one minutes. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Dropping the hammer. I did. Like, I mean, I I didn't know because she's. I mean, she's really competitive. You know, I I I have a lot of respect for her. She's she's done more endurance racing than I have, and I've done a lot. Um. So you know, I. But I treat me, everyone as if they're going to chase me down and eat me and chew me up and spit me out, you know? A different way to put this is Andrea went from Blank's cabin in, let's see, two hours and 32 hours and 40 minutes. And Tracy went from Blank's cabin in four hours and 10 minutes. I don't know what you mean by that. So... In your last two hours and 40 minutes of the course, yeah. it took her over four hours to go the same distance. She oh, lost okay. all of that time in the last... Okay. Blank's Cabin is like the first thing you get to on the Colorado Trail, so it didn't make sense. Oh, that's the that's nighttime. Oh, yeah. shit. Uh, never she mind. She really did. Like she, she put... So this is how my pacing went. Um, just to like wrap it up so we can do something else. Um, so I won, by the way, in case you didn't get that, um, which is amazing. But anyway, so like my pacing strategy out of, I don't know, were there like 40 something people racing? I think like 43, maybe it was in the 40s somewhere. Um, when I got to the Colorado trail, which is very early in the race, um, Earl, who is the general manager at, um, at Absolute Bikes, he was also like a moto person, not really official, but he was riding his moto. He led, kind of led the pack out to the Colorado Trail because it's forest road to there. Um, and then took everyone's time and number as they came through. Um, I was, he said there were about nine people behind me out of 40 something. Cause I, as I was coming through, I was like, I feel like I'm going really slow. I'm in the back of the pack. He's like, yeah, there's only about nine people behind you. Um, I finished 11th overall. So I think the best advice <laughs> that I continue to give people about like marathon stuff 
is most of the people in front of you have no fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah, some of them do, and you'll never see them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's either people that are like, they're going to be gone, or you're going to catch them. I know that sounds stupid, but continue. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been... Endurance racing has been a, a long um, and arduous journey, and I don't know how much I'm going to do it anymore. I, I feel like winning Vapor Trail is one of those things where, um, and putting in a good time, you know, it's not like a record-setting time or anything, but it's a damn respectable time, you know. It's it's anyone, male or female, would be happy to finish Vapor Trail in 16 hours and change, you know, because it's... No one's going to argue with you if you say Vapor Trail is the hardest one-shot endurance race, barring, like, the snow bike races that Jeff Kirkhoff was doing where it was negative 20. Like, normal summertime racing in the mountains, endurance in the the one day, like, you're not going to carry a tent with you kind of race. That's that's a great way to put it. If, if a race is any longer than this, you're going to sleep. Right. So... No one's going to argue with you if you say, I think Vapor Trail is the hardest one-shot race in the U.S., maybe even, like, North America. It's, you know, just to win that and have a good time uh, and have a really, like, good, clean race, um, I feel like it's a good closing to doing that type of racing. So I don't know how much I'm going to do it anymore. I'm going to do a lot of bike packing. I'm going to do a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I'm going to do some cross-country racing because I just like it and I don't get bored during cross-country races. Um, but I don't think I'm going to really keep doing the, like, long, like, you know, more than, like, three or four-hour races. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the exciting part of tonight's episode. So, marathon or... Yeah, basically cross Ultra country. Endurance. Yeah, cross country or bikepacking. That's that's those are my two. Uh, I'd say marathon. I don't know. I don't. I like racing for a, an hour and a half. Like racing an hour to an hour and a half is or an hour to two hours is awesome. What about three or four hours? No, I get bored. You just said you're going to race three or four hours. No, I, I said over the three or four hour mark. I meant less than that. Like, normal cross-country races, I like. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just big adventures. You know, I think I really got into endurance racing um, when I was living in Memphis, and it was a, a medium to go out and see new trails and new places and meet new people and um, do it within the confines of a race course where it's, you know, it's safe and there's aid stations um, and there's a course marked out for you. And uh, you know, you, you get to do that and see all that stuff. And it's really awesome. Um, if you're in a place kind of isolated from like mountains and cool shit like Memphis. Um, but you know, now that I live here in Salida, I feel like Endurance races and the long races are a little bit on the, they're a little boring now because I can go out and do cooler shit in bigger places. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my reasoning behind that. So we should get into listener questions now. No. Are we just going to stop now? We'll have, I think we should just do a part one and part two. Like we'll have this 
us talking and then we'll have uh, just answering questions. Is that cool with everybody? Um, sure. Yeah. I don't really feel like slaving on. I think Kenny could go to bed for once. Yeah, I'm, f- dude, I'm tired. I got up at 5 a.m. What time did you go to bed? Was, bless your heart. It was it was dark out. I was pissed. <laughs> bless your heart, Kenny. What time did you go to bed, though? What, That's the real When thing. it's dark outside and I wake up, I am already in, like, a super shitty mood. <laughs> oh, man, that's like my life. I can't sleep past, I don't know. If I sleep until 6.30, I slept way the fuck in. <laughs> Do, should we answer, like, one question? Like, like nah. tease it a little bit? Nah. Oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to do the worst thing that you could possibly do. An Irish goodbye? I don't know what that means. I don't know. Do what you're going to do, and I'll tell you if it's an Irish goodbye. I was going to say we could read the first question and then not answer. Oh, we didn't do donations. We had donations. We'll talk about those. And then I have one other thing that I need to mention. And then we'll, we'll call do. it an All right, then, we'll, then we're definitely going to get the fuck out. Yeah, so... First part is an apology. I've called this gentleman by the wrong name for years, and he was always too polite to correct me on pronouncing his last name. So Jim Kahn of Minnesota sent over 50 bucks. Thank you very much, Jim. I'm sorry I pronounced your name wrong. How did you pronounce his name before? Chan. It's C-H-A-N, and it's pronounced Kahn. Oh. But he could have told me that, and I would have said it correctly. He's like in Grit Events Banners. And, like, I've given him hugs, and I've, <laughs> I call him the wrong name, so I feel like a huge heel. I kind of uh, think that you're probably not the first person to make that mistake. It doesn't matter. I still feel bad about it. Um, Travis W. of Virginia, not West Virginia, but regular Virginia, standard Virginia, non-boost, gave $25. <laughs> non-boost Virginia. <laughs> oh, man, that's fucking great. Oh, speaking of West Virginia, uh, I completely, I've got a West Virginia story. So at Specialized, I met a gentleman from West Virginia, uh, and I showed him a picture of the uh, West Virginia "Is that even a state?" T-shirt that we made, and he <laughs> and he laughed. So also, uh, this is the guy that I'm going to have on the show eventually. Yep. Um, really cool kid, super bright, super ambitious. He's like 16, I think, and he does enduro right now. Seems to be pretty freaking fast, from what I can tell. And he is in some way sponsored by Specialized. Uh, so he was out there helping Specialized, like, get demo bikes going and stuff. That was kind of like a, you know, kind of an interny thing to do, I guess. Um, but anyway, just spoke with him at one of the dinners. And, yeah, super cool guy. So, anyway, we'll probably be having him on the show soon. So, if, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, don't don't be nervous. Don't be scared. All right. So that was West Virginia. Uh, Bud of bud ward from california ten dollars and chris h of maryland twenty five dollars um that's what i have and then one quick thing to note uh big congratulations to ben and star they're some of our uh mega super fan listeners and they got engaged this week so yay for them if you're into that cool if you're not cool but i just want to say it because it was cool because I really like them. I've met them in person also. Um, and then, Are we going to officiate at their wedding? Uh, no. I'm, there's a little thing. I'm not allowed to be within 100 yards of them at this point, but whatever. Uh, okay. It's, it's a pending. You know, If I self-enforce it, they won't press charges. So, 
uh, and then something that's going to make Kenny's head pop off that I meant to look up and I didn't. I saw something today that is 100% Kenny, and it was on Twitter, and I had to ask the guy about it, and he gave me the information. Um, it was a, it's a disc brake cross wheel that weighs 474 grams for a front wheel. Nice. Uh, nice. It is an Envy Composites tubular, like an Envy 25 rim, 20 hole that's made for rim brake, and they lace it into a 20 hole disc brake hub, and they're just going to see what happens. He's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that's sketchy. So props for the sketchy. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd like that. So that I do like that. That's awesome. I sent back a, a set of, I, I sent, well, I processed a SRAM warranty at the shop today, and I sent them JRE stickers. No shit. I, I sent them JRE stickers. I try to do that. Oh, that's any awesome. warranty. I stick. I, I put a couple of stickers in there just because. You know what's actually getting really cool now is like most of the companies I call at some point I will get somebody who listens to the show. You know who you'll like, never talk to is anyone at Fox. Really cool because their answering machine doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> actually that's how ai learns because fuck them oh my gosh yeah that's pretty funny but i i was just uh speaking with trek the other day and uh somebody on there was a listener so that's really cool oh that's right uh yeah Allie. yeah but she was my coworker and then a trek employee and listener there you go so boom um cool that's a show no listener questions we'll get into those next time um, which will be sometime later this week, but keep it sketchy. Build sub 500 gram 29 er front rims. <laughs> be terrible. God, I just realized that rim or that wheel weighs less than a velocity blunt 35 rim. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. All right, cool. Uh, thanks for listening. Does anyone want to add anything else in Bueller? No. Nope. I was hoping to get a Kenny shut it down. (laughs) Shut it down. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show and make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.